Hey there, welcome back to another episode of CupyCast. Are you hoping to learn more about unions or progressive movements? Welcome, you are in the right spot. I'm Brittany Nisbet and I use she, her pronouns, reminding you that we are the only podcast of our kind, combining union info, pop culture, and more, kicking ass for the working class, one podcast at a time. Whether you're a member of CUPE, in a union, wish you were in a union, or just found us while browsing, you're definitely in the right place. And I'm Brianna Plummer. I use she, her pronouns. In this month's episode, we explore the importance of accessibility in the workplace, focusing on AODA Act and discussing disability rights, health and safety measures, creating an ability-smart workplace, and the duty to accommodate. This episode also highlights the political party's response to the AODA Alliance's questionnaire to address systemic barriers around disabilities, and an interview with Brenda Cervantes, a member of the Workers with Disabilities Committee, and how QP Ontario is committed to keep workers informed and empowered. To hear more episodes, look for the QPcast anywhere you stream or download podcasts. And for feedback for future episode ideas, don't forget you can email QPcast at qp.on.ca. That's C-U-P-E-C-A-S-T at C-U-P-E dot O-N dot C-A. You're listening to CupyCast episode 39. Cast, or shall I say, now an award-winning podcast. Yay! <laughs> yes, so excited. We need the celebratory music. Yes, yes. Just to let our listeners know, we recently won QP's National um, Best Use of Technology, oh, Digital Tools Award. So we won the Best Digital Tool Award. Yes, we're so excited. And I, Brianna can tell the story because uh, she experienced it a bit differently than uh, Tiffany and myself did. Um, Tiffany and I were there at QP National, but I'll let Brianna tell the story because it's so good. <laughs> yes, so uh, we received the award at this year's QP National Convention that took place in Quebec City, and that was just a couple of weeks ago in October. Um, I was not a delegate, so I couldn't attend QP National Convention in person. But as a team, once we found out that we won the award, we wanted to make sure that everyone was present, including myself. Um, so we decided that I would log in virtually. So the communication breakfast was the place where we were going to receive the award. Um, it was super early. I yeah. believe it was like 7.30 in the morning, really yeah, early. Yeah. Um, so I logged in and Tiffany was kind enough to zoom me in from her laptop. Um, so I was able to be present when they were announcing the different awards. And when we received our award, Tiffany and Brittany literally carried the laptop up to the front. And, you know, when we took the group picture I also was in the group picture, but I was on a laptop screen. So out there in the social media universe, you will see a picture of Tiffany, Brittany, and myself, but I'm on a computer screen. Um, So I do want to just thank you, Brittany and Tiffany, for including me. Although I couldn't be present that day, you still found a way to make sure I was present and able to be part of the moment. And I also want to give a great shout out to... Um, the CUPE Ontario staff and Mohammed, mm-hmm. although, you know, myself, Brittany and Tiffany are the co-hosts of the this show, like they do a lot of the oh, behind yeah. the scenes to yeah. make all this work possible. 
Yeah, totally. And and yeah, there's a lot that you uh, you folks don't uh, hear <laughs> uh, and don't see yeah. that happen. So yes, yeah, so a good and of, and of course we would include you, Brianna. Like you're part of the team too. So we had <laughs> to figure out a way to get you there. So this worked. And we do want to give a shout out to our co-host Tiffany, who's unable to record this episode with us, just in case folks are wondering, like, why the heck is just Brianna and I? Um, <laughs> so we just wanted to say, like, she can't make it. We miss her. We hope to see her soon again. Yes. Um, but so it's just going to be Brianna and I for today. Um, but today we're diving into a really crucial topic that impacts every single worker in, in Ontario. Um, the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, also known as AODA. And just before we like get started, um, and I'm speaking for Brianna and myself, so Brianna, feel free to jump in uh, at any point, yeah. of course. Um, but I do want to just let folks know, like, Brianna and I do not identify as workers with disabilities, so we really can't speak to the lived experiences of others. We are just using um, this episode as a way to share what we have learned and what resources are out there. And it's important to note that we're still learning, we are not perfect, and we definitely don't pretend to be. Um, we have an interview later on in this episode with uh, Brenda Cervantes, as Brianna was mentioning. It's a phenomenal interview. Um, yes. She speaks on some really lived experiences and it's it's fantastic. And, you know, just to like add to this, I've been a developmental support service worker for 13 years. So I work with adults with varying mental, physical and developmental disabilities. I was also an educational assistant in the school board system for five years. And I, I can say I definitely don't know it all. I'm definitely not an expert. Um, each person that I support teaches me something new every single day. Yes. And for myself, my day job is a communications consultant and we use AODA as a guide to kind of support us in the way we communicate to our stakeholders, whether it's print or digitally. Um, this includes using plain, plain language, ensuring that the content is properly tagged with headers or paragraph text, ensuring that images on the website contain alt text. And that also includes social media now as well and that we're using colors that meet AODA standards. And this also goes all the way down to the type of font we use and the size of the font. So for example, at my organization, all external facing communications must be a minimum of 14 point font. And we have to use sans serif fonts such as Arial or Verdana. Um, this is a key tactic that we use to ensure whoever comes across our work can receive the necessary information and overall have a great experience. Um, for folks, this might seem like a lot, and it does seem like a lot at first, AODA and ensuring that you're compliant, but once you start doing it a couple of times, you do get a hang of it, and it slowly becomes part of your routine. It, totally, yes, and there's even been times where Brianna has taken um, what she's learned uh, from her work and utilized it here for when we're doing uh, QBcast. So I remember one time, um, we were looking at the the cover art for the episode and Brianna's like, I actually think we need to change like the, I think we need to change the color because that color is not going mm -hmm. to be compliant. And we were like, Oh, like, thank you for noticing that. And, <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, you know, like she said though, once, once it, you start doing it, it does definitely become easier and you, you, you notice it a lot more too. So then thank you for that. And thank you for sharing Brianna. And I also want to put out there before we get started that we're coming at this episode with the intention of wanting to learn and sharing what we've learned so far. Um, so you might be wondering what exactly is AODA and why does it matter to me as a worker? 
Yes, yeah, so let's get started. So AODA is landmark legislation aimed at making Ontario fully accessible for people with disabilities by 2025. Just a note, this also includes our websites. So for folks, if you come from large private organizations or public sector organizations with more than 50 employees, you have to ensure that your website content is accessible. We know that the significance of AODA goes beyond websites as well and beyond physical access ramps and elevators. It extends to the workplace, ensuring that employees, regardless of their abilities, can fully participate and contribute. We might not think about it, but we all play an important role to ensure we stay compliant with AODA. Yes, and one of Canada's leading advocates for Canadians with Disabilities, the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disability Act Alliance, or the AODA Alliance, has been advocating for the Ford government to commit to priorities related to accessibility. So back in 2018, the AODA Alliance actually sent out a questionnaire asking each political party how they will be removing accessibility barriers. And I'm sure that you can guess which party <laughs> refused to participate. Yes, just a shame. So according to a May 2022 CBC article, the Conservatives were the first party lead, first party in almost two years who were almost 20 years, sorry, that's incorrect, who refused um, the AODA Alliance request. But on the other hand, we see that the Green Party and the NDP party have made specific commitments to remove barriers um, and work towards making Ontario accessible for all. However, with little commitment from the Ford government, it has been challenging to move a lot of these accessible needs forward. And it's important to highlight some context about the fight for AODA in the progress. So let's discuss how AODA affects workers. We'll break it down. First and foremost, AODA emphasizes the importance of creating an inclusive work environment. So this means that employers are required to identify, remove, and prevent barriers that may hinder employees with disabilities from fully participating in their workplace. That's right, and the Act covers a wide range of areas, from physical spaces to information and communications. Employers must consider accessibility in the design of public spaces, in the procurement of goods and services, and in their communication with employees. One aspect of AODA that directly impacts workers is the duty to accommodate. Employees are op employers, sorry about that, are obligated to make reasonable accommodations to enable employees with disabilities to perform their job duties. This could involve modifying work hours, providing assistive devices, or making changes to the physical workplace. Yes, and if you are a worker with a disability, it is crucial to know your rights under AODA. Your union can help you familiarize yourself with the legislation and the resources available to you. And as we uh, navigate this like ever-evolving landscape of the workplace, we'll continue to champion accessibility, equality, and inclusivity. AODA is not just a legal requirement. It is a commitment to creating a workplace that values the abilities of every single individual. And we will link that we will mm -hmm. add links to our show notes. Yes, so you may have noticed already that we've been using people-first language. This perspective puts the person first, allowing them not to be defined by their disability. Instead of saying disabled person, say the person with a disability. Emphasize the person and their identity rather than describing their disability. And another thing to note is that sometimes people may say someone is quote-unquote suffering with a disability. 
This is a really uncool thing to say because you really have no idea if the person is thriving or surviving or just living their normal life or what's going on. So it's living with a disability. We don't want to add any sort of judgment to this neutral thing that is living life. So the goal of this episode, we really want to shed light on the diverse and nuanced nature of workplace disabilities. A disability isn't solely defined defined by visible condition. It encompasses a broad spectrum of health challenges that could be temporary, permanent, or chronic. It could be visible or even invisible. Yeah, and so think of a disability as a health condition that, to varying degrees, affects day-to-day activities. It's not just a physical impairment. It's also shaped by the environment, including physical, institutional, and social barriers. Roughly 4.4 million Canadians have some form of disability, which is each unique to um, the individual. And, you know, I can kind of give an example. And again, I, you know, this is just a a small example in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, um, uh, I am uh, currently I am pregnant, which is very exciting. Um, But my congratulations. Yes, thank you. Um, (laughs) My partner, Matthew, and I, uh, we had to actually go through fertility. And I was chatting with a friend of mine. And she actually said that um, uh, at the time she was like, you know, based on perhaps what the reasons are as to why you are having to access fertility, you could be considered um, or your partner could be considered a worker with a disability because you are not able to do something that most people uh, in the population are able to do. And I thought that that was a pretty interesting way of looking at it um, because we needed like extra assistance and extra help. And like I said, this is a very small, small example, but it's just, you know, that is something that's invisible and it was something that was temporary. Um, So, you know, there are some, and again, I'm not trying to discredit what anyone else is going through or, or permanent disabilities by any means. Like I'm just giving a very small example that, you know, people do have temporary disabilities and, you know, things can change for them. Yeah, so it's important to constantly challenge stereotypes. So I'm just a little side note. So I recently listened to a TED Talk and it featured Stella Young and Stella Young is a person with a disability. And one quote that just comes to mind as we're having this conversation is that in the TED Talk, she says, I want to live in a world where disability is not the exception, but the norm. So just thinking about that as well, you know, we all go through different phases of our lives and we might come across a disability and it's important for us, you know, to accept it as part of the norm and not Mm -hmm. discriminate just because an individual is going through a disability at the moment, right? So just continue to challenge what is the norm. I just want to reinforce that disabilities aren't always visible. They don't always involve wheelchairs or guide dogs. Some individuals with disabilities may appear perfectly healthy, emphasizing the need to avoid making assumptions about someone's health or abilities. The challenges imposed by disabilities go beyond physical limitations. Discrimination can arise by misperceptions. Consider a worker returning after a heart attack with full medical clearance, yet facing restrictions from her employer. This discrimination stems from a perceived disability not grounded in fact. Yeah, and, and workplaces can consider disability or can trigger disabilities as well. So occupational asthma, for instance, may be symptom free in certain environments. While disabilities often have a degree of permanence, temporary conditions like I spoke about or such as things like 
Brianna alluded to like a heart attack or broken bones, those are considered disabilities in some cases. And it's critical to distinguish temporary disabilities from episodic disabilities where symptoms may reoccur indefinitely. So understanding this spectrum is essential in creating inclusive workplaces that dismantle barriers and avoid discrimination. And we just want our listeners to remember that each experience is unique. I know we've been reinforcing this time and time again, but by challenging um, assumptions, we pave the way for more inclusive and supportive work environments. You can learn more about supporting workers with disabilities at the Disabilities Right Worksheet on QP's national website, which we'll link in our show notes. Yes, and we recently wrapped the CUPE Ontario Health and Safety and Injured Workers Conference, and CUPE has mm-hmm. a wealth of materials on health and safety resources for workers with disabilities, and employers have a responsibility to create safe working places for all employees, and that includes those with disabilities. They're not just fulfilling a legal duty, but they're actually creating a safer environment for everyone. And planning a health and safety program that accommodates workers with disabilities really actually leads to a higher level of safety for everybody. I agree. If you're a worker with a disability, disclosing your condition may be a necessary step. Your jurisdiction might even require it by law if your disability could impact workplace safety. But hey, we know it's not always an easy conversation. Mm -hmm. That's where your union local health and safety representative comes in. They're there to assist you, ensuring you're not alone in discussions with your employer. And guess what? It's all about finding simple, effective solutions together. Absolutely. And once you've shared your situation, a hazard assessment will come into play. So that involves an assessment team looking at the workplace for potential hazards and determining how to make it safer for you. So it's a really collaborative effort and it involves the employer and worker representatives usually working with the health and safety committee. Yes, so let's talk about changes. It's not about ramps or automatic doors. Those, although those are great steps and solutions, it's all about job reassignment, altering work hours and flexible schedule. The goal is to ensure a workplace that is free of hazards, harassment and bullying. Yes, and so, okay, so like let's get practical here too. So like what changes can make a workplace safer? Um, so mm-hmm. for mobility, it could be something as simple as removing thick carpet. Um, For folks who have hearing limitations, it could be flashing a flashing light alarm system that could be like a total game changer. Um, If folks have vision impairments, then you can consider like a tactile ground surface indicator as well. Emergency preparedness is crucial too. Evacuation plans need to consider the abilities of all workers potentially implementing a buddy system for those requiring assistance. So for example, I'll highlight where I work, um, for our clients, we ask them to fill out a form if they have a disability, if they're a person with a disability, and to disclose that information because if there's an emergency, such as a fire, for example, we know where they're located in the building, and if they need extra support, there are staff who can be able to support them. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. That's such a good idea. Um, so, like, what's the key to success in all of this? Well, the key really is communication. It's about clear communication between workers, union reps, and management. And privacy rights must be respected, and the focus will always be on creative, positive, creating positive, inclusive change 
So to summarize this health and safety conversation, (laughs) um, remember that the solution to health and safety issues is unique to each individual situation. And like we were saying, QP has a wealth of fact sheets and guidelines to uh, assist you in creating a safer workplace for everyone. Um, We'll link those in the show notes. Absolutely, Brittany. Unions are a force for positive change. We're here to highlight some of the incredible initiatives and actions taken by QP to create inclusive workplaces. First off, QP listens. We listen to our members, understanding their unique disability-related needs. We're not just a voice, we're advocates for change. And you know what's like totally cool is that we negotiate individual accommodation agreements. So this is about making sure members with disabilities not only work, but thrive in their roles. That's so true. QP collaborates with employers, finding tools and technology that empowers workers. It's all about breaking down barriers and providing the support needed for success. Advocacy is a big part of what we do. QP stands up for workers pushing for short and long-term disability coverage and workers' compensation top-ups. We are in it for the long haul. Yes, and when it comes to contracts, we negotiate with the principles of duty to accommodate at the forefront. We are arbitrating cases and ensuring justice in situations involving disability-related discrimination, harassment, and accommodation needs. And it doesn't stop there. Education is a huge component here. Um, QP provides workshops on duty to accommodate. We encourage ability-smart practices. And it's all about equipping members, staff, and employers with the knowledge to create a positive change. If you're not a QP QP member, your union does the same. And I just also want to note here, Brittany did talk a little bit about education. So I'm also a member facilitator for QP, and I recently taught a course called Disability and Enableism in the Workplace. It's a great course to help members grasp the concept of um, ableism and disabilities, how they manifest in our union and workspaces, but most importantly, start to have members think about how we can make union and workplaces more accessible. Highly encourage folks to take the course um, if, if you need the course as well, or if you think it would be a benefit to you. It's a great course to take. I quoted Stella Young just earlier in this episode. The TED Talk is actually part of that course. So that's where I got that quote from. This course, of course, is one of many. But we are seeing more and more union members are being more proactive in about creating a real impact in union spaces, whether it is in developmental services, recreation centers, schools, community care, transportation, or not-for-profit organizations. They are being they are extremely dedicated to building inclusive workplaces and communities. As we said earlier, communication is the key. And we understand that talking about living with a disability can be challenging. At QP Locals, a supportive approach is emphasized. Once you share, your employer has a legal duty to accommodate you and respect your confidentiality. Working with your QP exec or representative, you can find solutions together. Yeah, and the resource really explains how an ability-smart workplace is better for everyone. So for our listeners who want more info, head over to qp.ca slash disability dash rights. And remember that this document is available in alternate formats. That's very great. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to check it out. Mm -hmm. I think, Brittany, it is a great time for us to jump into our interview. Brittany and I thought it was extremely important to have a QP member share their experiences 
about being a person with a disability to our listeners. As Brittany and I mentioned earlier, we are not workers who identify um, living with a disability. So we, you know, thought it'd be more important for our listeners to hear from someone um, who has this experience, lived experience. So we are so honored and privileged to hear from Brenda Cervantes and give her the space to share her story. We really hope you enjoy the interview. Okay, so we want to give a very warm welcome to our guest, Brenda Cervantes from the CUPE Ontario Workers with Disability Committee. Brenda is also a member of CUPE Local 1287, where she is the second vice president. Brenda is a member at large for the Niagara District CUPE Council and the chair of the Niagara District CUPE Council Racial Justice Committee, along with being the Area 8 rep on the CUPE Ontario Municipal Workers Committee, also known as OMW. So when Brenda isn't doing all this amazing union work because she's so busy, she's a case manager with Ontario Works and she is a student at Brock University where she is in her final semester for an undergrad in sociology. Brenda, we would love for you to take a moment to tell our listeners about yourself and about your role within the Workers with Disabilities Committee and we're super happy to have you on KeepyCast. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh... Brittany and Brianna, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to share uh, what Workers with Disabilities Committee is about. Uh, I am a member uh, elected by the committee. Uh, unfortunately, I was elected midway within the term. So yeah, it was kind of like a huge learning experience, but yeah. It was, it was really good. It has been really good. Okay, Brenda, we're gonna get started with some questions just to get our listeners to get to know you a bit more. So our first question is, could you provide an overview of the Workers with Disabilities Committee? What is its mission and objectives? Okay, so mainly we advocate for awareness of disabilities within our union, workplaces and communities. We're actively involved in issues of accessibility at QP Ontario events, such as conference, conventions, and schools. We advocate for legislation that will advance equality for workers with disabilities and play a role in educating members and locals about accessibility and relevant legislation. For, exe for example, the, sorry, the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act, our objectives are to promote and defend the rights of all persons with disabilities, to improve the conditions of persons with disabilities in the workplace and their locals, create awareness, especially awareness among QP members. And we want to encourage members with disabilities to speak up and participate. For us, it is very important to promote and demystify the reality of persons with disabilities. Also, as any QP committee, we support and cooperate with other QP Ontario equity-seeking groups. Okay, that's a lot. You you do a lot and the committee does a lot. Um, and you touched on this. Yeah, I know, they're so busy. Um, and you touched on this a little bit, so, um, but maybe you can like expand a bit. So what are like some of the key projects that the Workers with Disabilities Committee is currently working on? 
Um, I know you mentioned like the AOD, um, that sort of thing, but what are like some of the key projects that you're working on right now, if you don't mind sharing with us? Of course, the committee has uh, right now a education subcommittee that is working on supporting QP National by creating awareness and proposing recommendations. For example, for in-person workshops or training, ensuring the building is accessible, ensuring there is no sensory stressors like flicking lights or a buzzing sound, also creating awareness about disabilities and online presentations. Presentations can be very hard on some members because of color blindness, the font size, of, or if a member is not advised of sensitive discussions that may trigger their mental health. In addition of making the audits at the hotels or any avenue where QP Ontario does their conventions and conference, each audit is done a few weeks before the event. So we give uh, the hotels the opportunity to, you know, do whatever they have to do to ensure accessibility. Then on the first day of the event, during registration, a committee member is at the event to provide support and resources. We want to ensure that members needing accessibility have an advocate, a safe place to discuss their concerns and their needs. More important, this is very exciting. Next week, we will be having a presentation at the QP Ontario Racial Justice and Human Rights Conference. Our presentation focuses on awareness. For example, did you know that in Canada, 25.7% of the population lives with disabilities? Mm. That equals the whole population of Toronto and Vancouver combined. Wow. Not wow. I know, right? What a stat. That's, wow. wow. Not taking in consideration people temporarily disabled. For example, individuals in WSIV, individuals with non-status in Canada, or temporary status as international students, refugee claimants, or working visa holders. So in Canada, an estimated of 6 million pe people live with disabilities. That's wow. a huge number. That is a huge number. I like um that you mentioned that the committee is working a lot in terms of like presentations and um you know making sure the language and the presentation visually is accessible. Um, my day job is communications, and that's a big push that my organization is trying to do. And there's a lot of like training as staff as well to ensure that the content we put out, um, digitally and print is accessible for our stakeholders and clients. So I, I appreciate that QP is also doing that work because I hope it trickles down to the members um, across exactly. the province as well. And everyone can learn and build that skills that we can make things more accessible for all our clients across the province. We're just gonna shift gears a little bit, Brenda. So okay. the next question is, can you share your personal journey as a worker with a disability? How's that, how has your experience shaped your involvement in the committee? Okay, so I'm originally from Mexico, as you can hear. Uh, when I was a child, I was diagnosed with learning disabilities. Unfortunately, this is a long time ago. At that time, children with learning disabilities were not provided the needed supports, right? We were ignored and bullied. 
that created mental health concerns uh, as a young adult. Then in my 20s, life happened to me and I was involved in a car accident. I broke my back in three different sections. Thankfully, and quotations, I have been able to go back to my regular lifestyle. It was not until I immigrated to Canada in 2002 that I became part of a union and I gained awareness of what a worker with disability means. Before, I used to keep to myself so people wouldn't notice my learning or physical disabilities. I never mentioned my needs or concerns since I fear to be seen as weak or incapable. My main concern was always not losing my employment to do, due to my disabilities. Then I attended my first CUPE convention and it was like someone turned on the lights on my dark working experience. I felt my voice matter. I met people with similar concerns and I learned of workers with disabilities. I gained so much strength. From there, I became the second vice president at my local. I became a member of CUPE Ontario, workers with disabilities. I became an advocate and an activist. Now I see my disabilities as my abilities and I'm able to share my experiences and knowledge with others. Plus I get to learn from others and support them through their own journey. So how lucky I am. Aww. Your story gave me chills. Yes. That's a beautiful story. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing it with us. No problem. Yeah, I um I also liked uh the part where you mentioned like that you don't see you you see your disabilities as abilities because that's what they are. So I just I think that that's so lovely. And I um in my day job I work with workers uh, I work with individuals with disabilities. So I work in group homes. So that's I try to see that let like things through that lens all the time. But it's it's so nice to hear hear you say that too. Like I. I what a nice journey. Like, it's so great. Anyways, um, we'll get to our next question. So the next question is, what kind of support systems or resources does the committee offer to workers with disabilities who maybe are facing some challenges? Mainly, we offer a safe place to discuss any concerns and problems. We are thankful to have Kimberly Phillips, CUPE National Human Rights Rep. She provides support and guidance. Uh, by the way, QP members can connect with us through our QP Ontario work, Workers with Disabilities website. Please visit our website and explore all the resources and our accessibility binder. There are tons of useful information, for example, information regarding the duty to accommodate, information on how to make your workplace accessible, and information on temporary disabilities. Thanks for sharing. and. For our listeners, we'll make sure the link to the Workers with Disabilities webpage is available in our show notes. Thank our you. next question is, um, what kind of, oh, sorry, I think I skipped too far. Okay, sorry, let me get back to this. <laughs> um, what are some of um, your future goals and aspirations um, as a Workers with Disabilities Committee? Any upcoming projects or plans? Okay, this one is a very difficult question because members of the committee are elected every two years at the Ontario Racial Justice and Human Rights Conference. And as I mentioned before, I was not elected there. 
uh, someone was seated there, and then unfortunately they were not able to continue. So I was chosen half of the term. Uh, but uh, once we have a new committee in November after the com the conference, then they whoever is in the committee they will meet soon after to make an a strategic plan for their term, right? Because every every term looks different even though we always concentrate on workers with disabilities. So I'm hoping to get a seat and continue supporting the committee. Yeah, and just for our listeners, um, just so you know, we're actually recording this a week before that uh, that conference. That conference is, uh, at the time of this podcast's release, I think that that yes. conference will just be starting. Yes, yeah, so, you're right. Yeah, I thought so. I wasn't sure. Uh, I couldn't remember exactly the exact date. So just for listeners, uh, when you hear this, it will be the week of the human rights and the racial justice um, conference. So I'm sure if you check out QP Ontario social media, they'll have some coverage on that as well, because it's always a wonderful, uh, it's always a wonderful conference to attend. Um, and uh, I wish everyone good luck at that. It's always so nice to see who who runs for elections there and yeah, that sort of thing. That's how I got my start. Actually, was at that conference too. I uh, I got elected as a work a young worker at that conference. Is and that Brina? Is that how you did? Yeah, it? that's how I yeah. got elected as well. As yeah, there <laughs> yeah, there we go. So, anyways, um, so I I I'll I'll go to our next question for you. So, um, based on like your experience, um, what advice would you give to other committees or other organizations who are looking to create a more inclusive environment for uh, workers with disabilities? I will advise them to don't give up. Sometimes it seems that our community is not listening, and sometimes it feels as if you're fighting alone. That's not true. We, you are not alone and QP members are listening. We are here for you. Um, by working in solidarity, we can accomplish more. So please reach out, share your knowledge, and share all your celebrations. Okay, now we're just gonna start winding down this interview. So our final question for you, Brenda, is, is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience about workers with disabilities, the committee, or any broader issues of disabilities in the workplace? Yeah, I want to start by telling everyone that each person requiring accessibility may need unique services, products, supports, and resources. Trying to understand accessibility as one size fits all is a huge mistake. It is important to see accessibility from a holistic perspective. Accessibility is a complex issue with no easy answer. More importantly, we are not asking for charity. We don't need someone to fix the problem for us. We don't need someone to tell us what is best for us. We don't need someone to give us accessibility as a way to gain political benefits or to enhance their agenda. We're asking for solidarity. We're asking for our rights to be part of the solution as experts, not as spectators. We're asking to have a voice and to be taken seriously. We're asking for awareness since all of us at one point in our lives may need accessibility services, products, supports, or resources. Just think about it. 
Maybe today you don't require any accessibility to go to work, attend a social event, or even participate in a QP event. Then life happens and you get injured at work, you get sick or you age. Then bang, all of the sudden you notice how difficult it is to go to work if the building is not accessible. Then you no longer attend social events because you have a sensory stressor and you get overstimulated and sick. Participating in a QP event is out of the question if you don't have the proper support and resources. Let's be real. We all have, have, or will have a disability at one point in our lives. Some people are born with disabilities. Others are diagnosed during their lifetimes. Many others have temporary diagnosis like a mental health diagnostic after the loss of a loved one or a broken arm. Also, not before long, all of us will be losing our mobility, eyesight, hearing, or developing cognitive issues because of aging. Then, will we become less than others? No, our lives will still matter. Let's think about it. If all of us will require accessibility by the age of 70, would it be smart to start demanding an accessible Ontario now, mm -hmm. not when we are 70? Mm -hmm. We need to start thinking of our future. It will be the best investment we do. Ensuring we can access public bathrooms, community events, employment opportunities, and even QP events like the retiree program. Maybe seeing accessibility from that perspective of a future investment with a 100% guaranteed return will help QP members to support workers with disabilities, accessibility rights, and demand an accessible Ontario for all by 2025. You may be wondering, how can I help? Start by having open conversations in your community. If needed, gather some knowledge by taking workshops or visiting our website. Attend QP Workers with Disability events. Ask your local to review their accessibility policies and if they need if needed, ask them to implement them. Don't be a bystander. If a building is not accessible, ask why and when it will become accessible. If an accessible bathroom is not working, report it. If you see someone needing support, ask how can I help you instead of assuming how to help. It is very simple. The more awareness, the louder our voice will get. The louder our voice, the harder it is to ignore it. The less we ignore it, the more results we will see in our communities. Today, do it for me, and tomorrow, when you're 70, it will be done for you. That, that's amazing. That's I, a mic drop. I'm sorry, I just had to say. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it, can we, we need like a, we need to have like a mic drop sound. Like yeah. if that had sound to it, like that's where we could insert that here. Cause that's, that's amazing. We, mm -hmm. Brenda, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be here with us yes. and to share with others. 
about the Workers with Disabilities Committee and what the great work is being done. And, and I feel like you really empowered folks to to want to make changes within their own locals and their own areas. And, you know, I'm lucky because you're here in Niagara, so I get to see oh, you a yeah. lot, get to work together. And, you know, but I, I really think that the messaging that you have here is just, it's very important. And uh, I really hope that it, uh, that other folks uh, really start taking it to heart and bringing it back to their own areas, their own locals, yes. their own councils. It's amazing. So yes, thank you. Yes, no, thank you. Thank you. Thank and, you. Yes. And if folks want to know more or want more info, like Brianna had mentioned earlier, uh, make sure to check out the QP Ontario website for the workers with disabilities page. It's under committees if you check out that website, but we'll also make sure that it's linked in our show notes so you can check it out there. But that's uh, it. Would you mind uh if I use your platform to give thanks to some people? Sure. Go right ahead. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. yes. So I just I just want to take a minute to thank every QP member that participates in our committee. Uh, your commitment and efforts are seen, valued, and needed. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, for sharing your expert time, and for being yourself. I also want to thank QP1287 for all that they have taught me, for continuing to push me to be the best, the best version of myself. Thanks to all the allies that have chosen to be by my side. I have, they have taken the time to educate me, encourage me, and help me by making my voice louder. And to end, thank you, uh, Brittany, Brianna, and QP Ontario for all you do. In solidarity, we will build a stronger and accessible community. Oh, that's so nice. I wish people could see this because they could just see Brianna yeah. and I smiling like crazy. So thank yes. you. I, I, I'm very excited for uh for everyone to listen to this episode and and hear all of that. So thank you again so much for being with us, Brenda. We so appreciate it. I know you yes. have a busy week ahead of you, and I know next week's going to be busy. And I I hope that you have a wonderful conference next week as well. Yes, thank you. I hope thank you, you enjoyed so the much. racial justice and human rights conference. Yes, and I I really hope to get a seat in the committee again. Yes. Well, good luck. Good luck. And we're back. Did you enjoy listening um, to our interview with Brenda? What a great interview, eh? Don't you think so, Brittany? Oh, yeah. I, her, her interview left me feeling so like energized and just jazzed. Like she was so inspirational. She's wonderful. Yes. And like I said, in the and her... I'm so lucky to have her live in Niagara. So I can be like, you know, I can talk to her a little bit. I have a little bit more of a direct connection. <laughs> yes. But the work that she's been doing with the committee and just her insights and lived experiences is very insightful. And I've learned a lot from her. So I hope our listeners receive a lot of insights and new wisdoms that you could take forward to make your union and workplaces more inclusive. But before we wrap up the episode, we want to provide our listeners with some great news and an update. Brittany, will you do the honors? Yes, I am so excited. So folks <laughs> might remember um, in our Strong Women Summer episode, and if you haven't listened to that episode, you should check it out. Um, we talked about the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Well, after months on the picket lines, we are excited to share that both the WGA and SAG-AFTRA have ended their strikes with new tentative collective agreements. Woohoo! 
<laughs> so congratulations to WGA and SAG AFRA. Here's a quick list of some gains that they achieved. So WGA, they gained wage increases, increased health and pension contributions for writing teams, regulations for the use of artificial intelligence on projects. I know in the episode we talked about AI mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is a big gain for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Improved language around employment and projects on streaming services. Now, for SAG-AFRA members, they are receiving a compounded first-year increase of 11.28%. That's so awesome. That's huge. That's so great. Also, their new compensation stream performers um, working in streaming. There's gender-neutral language, access to gender-affirming care, translation services, and sexual harassment prevention protections for performers. I just listed a few. There is a lot of huge gains listed in this tentative agreement, but overall, these are huge, huge, huge wins for WGA and SAG-AFRA. Yes, and if you are interested in reading more details about the tentative agreements, we'll also include those links in our show notes. I also have one more update I want to share with our listeners. Okay, go ahead. Talking about huge wins, we also want to congratulate Laura Walton of the OSBCU QP. Some of you may recall we had Laura on on as a guest last year. And just a few days ago, Laura was elected as the new president of the Ontario Federation of Labor. That is a huge win. Congrats, Laura. Laura is such a strong activist and a fierce feminist that we're so excited to see how the labor movement grows and evolves under her amazing leadership. We are so happy for you, Laura. Sincerely, congratulations. You've definitely, definitely worked hard and you earned that. And I'm excited to see where you go from here. Oh, I know. Me too. And I'm sad that I couldn't be at the OFL convention to see. I know. But like, (laughs) I have seen like lots of people have posted videos and there's been a lot of pictures and like, I'm so proud of Laura. Like I have had the, um, the honor of sitting on QB Ontario's executive board with her for over five years. And I have learned so much from her in just that short time that like, I, I can't wait to see what mountains she moves for labor as the uh, president of the Ontario Federation of Labor. So like really, truly congratulations, Laura. I'm so happy for you. Um, But that's our show. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning into episode 31 of the QB cast accessible for who? We want to take a moment to thank all the QP Ontario staff involved with this episode because without them, this podcast would not exist. If you have future ideas, please email us at qpcast at qp.on.ca. That's C-U-P-E-C-A-S-T at C-U-P-E dot O-N dot C-A. We also want to thank the absolutely wonderfully talented Muhammad Akbar for being our edit master. This podcast would not sound as great as it does without his talents. But before we close out, we want to thank all of you, our credible listeners, for tuning in to this episode of QPCast. Please continue to look for us anywhere you stream or download podcasts, which includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, or on the QP Ontario's website. Please follow and subscribe to the QPCast. And if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Anchor, write a review, leave us a message, and let us know what you thought about the episode. Also, share the link with your friends or fellow members in your local, particularly this episode. We have shared a lot of useful, helpful information that will make your workplace and your local even more accessible and inclusive for all members. Don't forget, our show notes have lots of information that you can share with your friends, your family, anyone. 
So thank you for listening, and we are sending solidarity.